Welcome back to Betrayal Trauma SOS, where the mission is to let you know that you aren't alone, that what you might be experiencing is normal, and that there are tools for hope and healing. I am your host, Jenny Brockbank. I welcome your presence here. And know that even listening to this podcast might be a really brave thing for some in this audience to do. I relate with that. I share my own experiences and understanding in regards to betrayal trauma, along with offering resources for others to find their own recovery fit. Today, we will be discussing what is betrayal trauma, plus what symptoms you might be experiencing, along with a few basic tools to help when you are in trauma and a meditation of sorts at the end. Let's heal together. so glad that you're here today. If you're wondering what is betrayal trauma and perhaps if you're suffering from it, let's chat. I'll tell you my understanding according to the resources that I've delved into with the caveat that this isn't therapy and I'm not a therapist. I've had some really intense therapy in this area and have sought additional resources to help in my own healing from betrayal trauma. This is basically my offering of sorts to you as a way of paying it forward, as so many people have done for me. That way you can explore what might be a good fit in your recovery. So what is betrayal trauma? I'll explain betrayal trauma in terms that make sense to me and then discuss some resources for digging in deeper. From the book, Treating Trauma from Sexual Betrayal by Dr. Kevin Skinner, He cites a study that was performed in 2006. It was published by Barbara Steffens and Robin Rennie. And what they found was, from those people who had experienced a disclosure regarding sexual betrayal, almost 70% were experiencing post-traumatic stress-type symptoms. What we're starting to see is, this is more of a mental health problem than we were previously aware of. So what does that mean for you and for me? We could get really technical in our speech here, and we could start talking about the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala, but when I'm in trauma, those kinds of things mean nothing to me. It's like, I could barely get dressed today, let alone think about how my brain functions. Sometimes people might have a traumatic event that doesn't necessarily cause trauma. For instance, They might have a car accident that was terrible and hard to go through, but it hit them more like lightning. However, trauma for me is a lot more like an earthquake. It hits, I'm thrown off balance, I'm not sure why. Sometimes it's a big event that happens, but sometimes it's just not, and I just can't figure out why, but I feel very rocked, very shaken, very unsure. And the thing is, is it doesn't just go away. Um, there are aftershocks. I might think, oh, I'm doing better. And then an aftershock hits. (laughs) And oh, I'm doing better. And an aftershock hits. So if I can be prepared that this is going to be a process, that I'm not going to be cured instantly from this event or or this, um, this trauma episode, then I can be better prepared to take care of myself and to make sure that I have what I need and that I'll be taken care of. So we're going to talk about symptoms and what that means in normal terms. Let's just slow our minds down and talk without feeling like we have to have a degree in trauma or the brain to really understand what is happening. So in very simple terms, and according to my understanding and experience, 
Trauma is a physical reaction in the brain that takes the body back to an event or time. For me, oftentimes, I'm feeling very, very extreme emotions, and I can't figure out why I'm feeling what I'm feeling, why it's so extreme, why I feel so out of control, why the pain is so intense. This looks really different for various people. The three most common experiences with trauma include the fight, flight, or freeze responses. For me personally, I've experienced all three of these types of reactions. I'll open up and share an example of what flight looked like for me once. I remember having a strong trauma response um, where I felt an intense urge to immediately leave a painful situation. Well, the person who I was triggered by was blocking the door (laughs) and I felt like I had nowhere to go. In defying all logic, it was like I was going to crawl out of my skin. I hid in the shower. They saw me go in the shower. It wasn't any kind of a logical thing to do, uh, but that's what I did was I just felt like I couldn't even be in that area, in their presence, in, in wherever, and I had to get away. Now, not all trauma responses are that strong. That was certainly one of my most extreme ones. But on the flip side, some might even have stronger reactions. So if you've experienced less or more, just I just want to normalize that what you're experiencing is trauma. It's normal. So what I'd like to do is just explain some of the symptoms that either I have suffered from or that I've heard others um, suffer that have they've described to me or I've read about when experiencing betrayal trauma see if any of these might apply to you. Intrusive thoughts on a loop that you just can't seem to shake. Loss of sleep. Numbing behaviors, which could include so many things. My unhealthy go-tos include food and social media. Nightmares with trauma-related content. Re-experiencing traumatic events, which is sometimes referred to as dissociation. Strong emotional responses that don't seem to match the situation. They might be um, extreme or maybe just different than would be a normal response. As I already mentioned, fight, flight, or freeze. Exhaustion. Unexplained rage. Heightened body functions that might be associated with fear. So things like a racing heart or maybe difficulty breathing. For me, I feel muscle tension that I can't seem to fully release for long periods of time, sometimes months at a time. Hypervigilance, so things like um, obsessively checking things and, and um, maybe like internet histories or the phone, various things like that, tracking locations obsessively. Depression, anxiety, increased isolation, comparing ourselves to others, and even suicidal thoughts. Some of the most heartbreaking experiences I've had include sitting with women who are suicidal because of the heartbreak and trauma that they were experiencing. I had to take a pause there for some tears. I do want to pause and say that if you're experiencing any of these symptoms that my heart truly goes out to you, I relate in my own way and have experienced many of these symptoms. So, hashtag me too. I want you to know that there are tools, resources are significantly improving, 
and there is so much hope. It's also really helpful to know that not all trauma is a visibly big thing. My therapist likes to talk about how in the book The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk, he talks about little t or little trauma. Sometimes people might be experiencing something more akin to a million emotional paper cuts versus a large event. This is called complex trauma and can be really difficult to treat. I resonate with this trauma as it's largely what I struggle with. So here's the golden question. What triggers trauma? The trick is that for everyone, that's a little bit different um, because everyone's had previous experiences that might trigger it in different ways. I think there might be some universal things that we could all learn from. And I decided I am going to be just vulnerable here and share with you some of my trauma triggers. I do want to say that I have gained uh, quite a few tools and healing that for me, trauma is becoming much less frequent and significantly more manageable. However, I'm not completely healed. And in fact, recently had a bout with trauma that lasted a couple of months, and it was a really rough couple of months. It was night and day difference for me, though, in that I had tools and I had support, and I understood things that would help me get through that and heal. For me, trauma is more likely to occur when I don't quite know all the truth, but I can tell there is more to something. So for instance, if my husband was showing signs of unexplained anger, that's a sign that more is going on and I can really spin in thoughts of what is beneath that anger? You know, what is going on? What's he doing that's making this um, anger show up? Or maybe if I can tell that I'm only getting partial truths. Or if someone is taking no or limited responsibility for their behavior or how that might affect me. This might sound strange to those who aren't familiar with trauma, but if my husband came to me and said that he had a slip with his addiction, I can handle that significantly better than, say, if I discovered it on my own. Not that I wouldn't experience trauma over that, because I likely would, but uh, my ability to heal from it would be significantly faster, at least in my experience. So now we know the basics of what trauma might look like, and hopefully you have a good understanding as to whether or not you're experiencing trauma. Or maybe you have experienced trauma, and these are tools for a future time. I think the trick in trauma is to just focus on basics, and I'll explain why here. My friend has a really great analogy. She says, pretend that there's a nail that's bent in the wall. Well, when you're in trauma, you can't just straighten the nail. You try to straighten the nail, but what you do is you end up putting holes places. And for me, that's really true. And that can look in just in various different ways. I can try to process why I'm upset and what's going on. And what I end up doing then is, is making assumptions um, and letting trauma tell me something that wasn't true. And processing can come and is really important later. But at the beginning, when you're first in trauma, it's generally not a good idea. Our bodies literally think that we are in severe danger. And so what we're needing to do is focus on the basics, on living. I remember a few months ago, I was at a 12-step meeting and a woman walked in just looking just distressed and heartbroken. And she mentioned that she just couldn't eat. 
and I still remember the look on her face of relief when she was told, that's betrayal trauma, you're normal. So one of the first things that we need to make sure that we're doing is we're eating and we're eating nutritious food. Something else is just breathing. Controlling your breath. Long exhales are really helpful. And I like, I like that in the book, The Body Keeps the Score, he says, let out a, a long exhale. So and then pause. So you let out all the air and then you pause. Um, sleeping is also an issue. So, so whatever we need to do to get adequate sleep, that's really critical as well. In episode three, the next episode, we will be discussing actually how to put together a first aid kit for when we're in trauma. That was one of my very first therapy assignments. And I can't begin to say how many times people would say, go to your first aid kit. What's in your first aid kit? What would help you in your first aid kit? And so I want to discuss what, what a first aid kit might look like. And that way you can assemble one for you or maybe for someone else who might be hurting. Um, it's something people can physically do to help. This podcast is all about resources. So we will delve deeper into many more resources and what might be a good fit for you. So stay tuned for future podcasts so that we can figure out together what might help you recover. And in turn, I'm still looking for what will help me recover. While there are so many tools that we can talk about, and I really hope to get to and to talk about all of them um, that help with trauma, it is worth mentioning, mentioning one and making sure that we all have one tool. And this is probably one of the most helpful tools universally that I have seen, uh, both for me and for, for other people, and it is mindfulness. Mindfulness can be a really hard idea to sell to someone who is in trauma, but it is actually a really critical feature of, of most people's recovery. And the reason is our minds are racing and we're trying to figure things out. And we can't quite get it. But when we become mindful, we become better in tune with what our body needs and what our minds need, what our emotions are. Um, some things that you might try that really do help with mindfulness for me, at least have been just run my hand under the water and pay attention. What does that feel like? What does water feel like on my hand? One mindfulness tool that's also helped me quite a bit, um, was presented at the Utah Coalition Against Pornography a couple of years ago by Sherry Adams Christensen. And one of the things she suggested was Put your hand on your heart and if you can touch skin like the skin of your neck or the collarbone, um, that really does help. And for some reason, just feeling what that skin feels like has been helpful for me. If I can feel my heartbeat, that's helpful. One of my therapists would suggest to take off your shoes and walk in the grass and just pay attention to what that feels like. And I have done that and it really does help. I remember in a really desperate situation and I just could not get out of trauma and outside there was snow and you know what? I did go out for a few minutes. It was probably a few seconds and put my feet in the snow and paid attention to what that felt like. The shock of feeling that cold snow on my feet was actually really helpful in that moment. So what about for you? 
on Facebook this week. I'm going to post a question asking what might help you stay present, stay mindful, so we can all learn from each other. And I am still learning, like I said, so maybe you have a tool that would help me. And if you'd be so generous as to respond to my post regarding mindfulness, I might be able to learn from you as well. So stay tuned for next week as I've got a special gift for someone, someone who is struggling or who knows someone who is struggling um, that would, would benefit from a starter first aid kit. And then people can add to it what would help them more. At least it would be a good start. Let's move on to our meditation. Meditation and mindfulness go hand in hand. They are just two peas in a pod. So I invite you to join me in a meditation. We're training our bodies and our minds to be still when they want to flee. For me, the more still that I can be at the very beginning, especially of trauma, the quicker and more thorough my healing can be. In this space, you are safe. Your eyes can close if that feels safe, or you can keep them open as well. Let's practice being present. Perfection is not required here. We're just learning. Growth is okay. I invite you to notice one thing that you hear. Perhaps that's your breathing. Perhaps you hear traffic in the distance or the air conditioner. Just notice one thing that you hear without judgment. Are you here in the present? If it's helpful, I invite you to focus on your breathing with a long exhale out. If you'll allow me, I'd like to speak to your heart. Your suffering is seen. You are seen. You are not alone. Your emotions are normal, and there is hope and healing available. In this very moment, you are safe. Safe. This week, you can practice being present, being mindful, being in the moment. I invite you to breathe in with a long exhale out and a pause at the end. If your eyes are 
eyes were closed, I invite you to open them. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here today. I love to participate in the healing of others as others have graciously participated in my healing and continue to do so. If you enjoyed this Betrayal Trauma SOS podcast, I invite you to subscribe, leave a review, and to please leave five stars. Betrayal Trauma SOS can be found on Facebook and Instagram. Remember to join me in the next episode for assembling your own Betrayal Trauma SOS First Aid Kit. And remember to join me on Facebook for your opportunity to win a Starter First Aid Kit. Let's heal together.